You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hello and welcome back to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. I am your host, Jackie Koch, and today I have a guest who I am extra excited about for many reasons, but super excited because I finally, you guys, I say recruiting is a long game, and I think, I don't know if I've actually said it on a podcast, but I say always be recruiting, ABR, just like a lot of times people are like, always be recording. I say always be recruiting, and I have been trying to convince Molly to come join the business. And she finally is. And so I get to introduce Molly as my partner on the recruiting side of the business, which is so long coming. So Molly, welcome to the team. Welcome to the show. Excited to give listeners some information about the recruiting market. So welcome, welcome back. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back. I'm so excited to be working with you again. This is just a dream come true. It really is. In the best way possible. Well, I do got to say, and please no disrespect to anyone who listens to my show that I've worked with before, but every once in a while you work with someone that you're like, I would work with you again without thinking about it. And I feel like you're that one person to me. I would, you know, I was telling my boyfriend, I was like, Molly, I would put in front of any one of my clients. She's just so amazing. And I just am so grateful that we get to do this again together in a different capacity where I'm not your boss, but you are truly like a partner in building this. And so there's just every once in a while you meet that person in in your work life and you're that for me. So thanks for being that for me. Even though we had some really hard times together, like I had to lay you off. (laughs) I feel so bad about how that conversation went. I'm not going to lie. It was like breaking up with your best friend. It was a terrible day. No, a business is a business. Sometimes there's just business things, but that doesn't affect how I felt about working with you or anything like that. Obviously, I'm here. But like, yeah, I mean, I think we came out the other side (laughs) pretty okay. We did. We did. But let's give a little context just for listeners. So Molly worked for me, although I always felt like you were a peer, but technically, I guess I was your boss. And in our tech company right before, it was right after COVID, right? The world was in shambles. Nobody knew what was going on. I had the wonderful, well, I don't even want to criticize it because I think it still was the right move. And I think we handled it the best way that we could, but it was the first time that, you know, people were laying people off on Zoom and video because you couldn't actually see each other. We were in stay at home orders in LA and it was just terrible. And I think you were like the first person that Jesse and I spoke with. You were the very first person. And I guess I'm glad it was you (laughs) because we had this relationship where it was just easier for it to be you. I know that sounds terrible, but I'm going to be honest. It was easier for it to be you. And we could just have an honest combo. And you already knew it was coming because I was acting weird. So I know it wasn't a surprise to you, but it's so interesting how you can handle those situations in a way that you can still be respectful and want to work with each other again. You know, like that can happen. Yeah. Business stuff is business stuff. Stuff has to happen that isn't what necessarily everyone wants, but it has to happen at the end of the day, which is also part of the reason um, I'm now excited to work with you and for myself. I know. I know. Because, hey, you get a little bit more control (laughs) over some of that stuff. And as someone who has been laid off a couple of times, that was the best layoff experience I had. Well, I guess I'm glad. I, I, I would rather you say that than it was the worst, I guess. 
Well, I do think you bring up an interesting point. There's risk in working for other people. There's risk in being an entrepreneur, right? We used to live in a world where it felt like you had a lot more stability working for somebody else and full time. And now I feel like it's changed so much where you're not safe and, and there is no really industry that is protected from layoffs. And I think COVID showed that more than any other time. A hundred percent. I think nothing is certain. I know it's an old adage or whatever the proper word is, but the only thing certain in life is change. Things will change and nothing is certain. And you just have to make the risks that feel right to you as a person and get you to where you want to be. Totally. Whatever that is, it's different for every person. I wanted to talk to you today on the show because one, I think people might find our banter funny. I don't know. I wanted to talk a little bit about the job market. It has changed so much over the last year and a half. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've had whiplash as an HR and recruiting professional. What about you? <sighs> yes. Obviously the pandemic was wild for everyone when things first started, the 2020, like there was a lot of things uncertain. But then it's just been this crazy, like everything's on fire. Everything's there's so much, there's so much to do to nothing to so much to do to nothing. And, and like, especially from last year to this year, the job market for candidate has changed completely. It is just a completely different landscape than it was a year ago. Can you share in your experience? Well, first, not every listener, I think, knows who you are. So can you share a little bit about your background? Let's like go back a little bit. Yep. You you should go listen to one of the very first episodes that we had. Molly has been on the show. This is her second time. But can you give overview of who you are and background for listeners so that they know they should take what you have to say about the job market seriously? Yeah, for sure. I know what I'm talking about. I promise. <laughs> I kind of fell into recruiting uh, a long, long time long time ago, working at an RPO. What is that? So it's recruitment process outsourcing. And the company I worked at particularly was focused on like high volume national roles, whether it be like call centers or garbage truck drivers, or I worked on car haulers, which is a very specific type of like long distance truck driving. I also recruited for the company itself and did ran payroll, did a bunch of like HR admin tasks. And then I made the jump into corporate recruiting, working at a very large in circles, a coupon company. Um, a very <laughs> um, but I worked in corporate recruiting for Groupon for four years. And that was back in Groupon's heyday. Yeah. Had just gone public. It was huge. We had a little over 2,000 employees in our North American headquarters in Chicago. And then there were, I think, 11,000 worldwide. I think it's significantly less than that now. But it was Groupon's heyday for sure. Yep. Yeah. And then eventually got into tech recruiting, doing tech recruiting consulting through a company uh, based in LA. And then I worked a series of startup and small tech companies, mainly series B-ish range, series A, series B over the last few years. And yeah, now I'm taking that knowledge to the streets, you guys. We're doing it. We're doing it. She also left out something super important is that she has done significant amounts of improv and comedy, which God love her for that. Um, so that's something you did just casually leave out. I did. Yeah, that was my whole other life for a long time. I would like leave work and then I'd go do improv shows or go do sketch or I had to take some days off to shoot commercials and things for a while there. So yeah. Such a well-rounded person. I try. Okay, so now that you know that she is legit, talk to me a little bit about what it was like, like last year at this time, recruiting for jobs in a job market that was definitely 
where candidates had the advantage. What was that like? And can you define what it means when a candidate has an advantage in a job market? Yeah, what it means when the candidate has the advantage is there are a ton of opportunities for a person. You're one person, let's say you're a product designer. There are a ton of product design roles out there. You have the choice. It is up to you to where you want to work. And it's not like, oh, fingers crossed, I'll get an offer from one or two of these companies. It's like, you know, people are making it through the process getting four or five offers, which is a lot. And they have their pick of the litter. They can go anywhere. Yeah, for sure. And and what that also means for you as somebody who was hiring last year was you would post a job like the old fashioned way that you're so used to doing the tried and true. And it was like crickets. You were getting very few job applications and the ones who were applying weren't maybe as qualified. And so you were struggling to find people who wanted to come work for you. And as a recruiter, that like changed our job a bit, right? So last year, what did you spend the majority of your time doing in order to fill the jobs that you were working on? Passively reaching out to people, trying to get them interested getting on the phone with people, trying to pitch them and get them interested. And then I'm always pretty diligent at keeping candidates informed of the process, where we are, trying to be very real with them. And thank God I was already like that or I wouldn't have survived because you just absolutely have to keep people engaged through the entire process. Because one thing, one misstep, one call you miss kind of checking back in with someone could mean they look the other way. They're gone. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. It was so critical for you to be a master of the candidate experience and check in way more than you want to. Like you can't just let people hang on for three weeks and then get back to them because they'll have had a job by then. But if you were checking in with them, they would be like, Hey, I have this other job opportunity. I don't really like it as much as I like you guys. And so it gave you as somebody hiring the opportunity to expedite your process for somebody, right? And and gave you some sort of a fighting chance of landing these people, but it definitely was not. Yeah, still didn't mean they'd say yes at the end of the day, but getting them interested, keeping them engaged, and then a slew of other things as well. So, you know, you were an in-house recruiter. I was, you know, recruiting for clients and, and doing more of what, you know, people would hire me to fill one or two jobs. And last year was all about me selling a company on an opportunity and, really finding creative ways to get their interest because you can't just send them one LinkedIn message. So many people are no longer looking at their LinkedIn messages because they get reached out to by recruiters every day, multiple times. And so part of being a recruiter is you're actively finding new creative ways to find these people in the little nooks and crannies of the internet and being like, hey, I'm here. You should pay attention to me, right? And and building those relationships too. And so that was really what I spent so much time last year doing. And I would have to spend so much money to sponsor a job to at least get it even advertised and on like the front page of somebody because there were so many other jobs out there that getting that space to have your job market your job even show up for somebody who's casually looking was like impossible. I think you bring up something that I think is so important and can be overlooked, especially by recruiters or people managing recruiting teams, is that every piece of content, every piece of space about your company and the job that you're hiring for is super, super important. Because if 
your message is enough to get someone engaged. If you happen to find an email address and you even just reach out to them via email, the most basic passive sourcing technique possible, they're going to Google you. They're going to look at your glass door. They're going to look at your jobs page. They're going to look at your company values. If you have videos out there, they're going to look at them. And the companies that have good engaging content and meaningful content, something that's actually adding something to the world or building out the story of the company, that's going to engage someone more. But if you don't have those things, nobody cares. They're going to move on to the next thing because they're like, eh. And it's it's easy. It's simple, but takes effort, right? And is so important for sure. So people hired me last year because they couldn't get anyone interested in their jobs. And I was able to do that. I mean, that was one of the reasons. And also because I managed the process with candidates. I made sure they were going to show up usually to their interviews and that they knew what was going on and, and created a great candidate experience so that the company was represented in a really great way. Because candidates remember just like customers remember bad experiences, so do candidates and they go tell people, right? And so if you don't have somebody shepherding that process, it's not good. Okay. So that was last year. We heard about it everywhere. It's candidates market, almost ad agnosium, right? Yep. Now there was all this talk about the recession and you saw it start to happen with layoffs and I mean, I knew it was coming. I'm sure you did too as a recruiter. You're like, for the candidates who treated you like crap, you're like, you're, I'm going to remember you, Dick. And guess what? <laughs> you're not going to get a job with me. And, and it's yep. true. We're now in a situation where so many people are getting laid off. And now it's a job market that's totally different. In your experience and what you're seeing, what's the job market like today? It's very different than I've ever seen it before. There's still a lot of jobs out there and there's a lot of people interested in those jobs and there's a lot more competition for those jobs than I remember there being even three or four years ago. I think for a variety of reasons. One, people are getting laid off, so they're trying to find something new, but there are enough jobs out there for them to find something new. But at the same time, people who are at their jobs or have been at their jobs either are bored or they're disheartened by decisions companies have made over the last few years, or they're finally deciding, hey, I want to work in this space. I'm going to try to get into this particular space. You know, they're wanting to make life or career changes. Hey, like me. <laughs> and so there's a lot more of that happening as well. So it's like this very layered thing that has just created this crazy market of, and still a lot of jobs, but still way more people than there are jobs, it seems, interested in the jobs that are out there. Yeah, for sure. So what I'm seeing is there are way more people applying to the open jobs that I do have. And there's still a lot of people hiring. It's not really slowing down all of that. I mean, it is. You see people getting laid off and stuff like that. But I, I do still have a lot of people hiring. Yeah. And a lot of the layoffs I've, you hear about too are these super large companies. I mean, that's kind of part of what really large companies do from time to time. It's just that we've kind of forgotten it or been distracted by so many other things that it seemed and with the recession talk it seems really really shocking but it's like no they also just do that when people start talking about a recession large companies are like oh possible recession great uh okay two thousand of you buy like it's kind of what happens totally if you're listening to this show as a small business owner like this is such good news for you there's a lot of highly qualified people out there looking for jobs and a lot of them want to work for small businesses because they want, they're sick of the big corporate grind. They, they realize now that big companies does not create job security. And I think they're also willing to flex on 
some things that maybe they weren't willing to flex on before. Compensation and benefits and like all of these things, yes, they are super critical and important to have. But I think people are finding meaning in a lot of other things. And so you as a small business owner, you have a lot to offer. So if you have been holding off on hiring, now might be the best time for you to start hiring because you can scoop up some great talent who's looking to make a change. Yes, it is exactly it. You nailed it. There are just so many talented people looking for a new opportunity, whether they've been laid off. Because laid off, being laid off doesn't mean you were bad. There are a lot of weird calculations that people use to lay people Remember, off. I laid off Molly and I hired her again. <laughs> she is weird, but that's why I hired her. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of extremely talented people, some laid off, some just ready ready to try something different, ready to work for a smaller company. And it's just, you got to take advantage. You have to. So the flip side of that is it's a great time to hire. It's also a time where it might be a little bit more work to hire people because you are going to find that you post a job and you get hundreds of applications. Seen it with my own eyes. Me too. And what's even more insane is you're finding... What I'm seeing is that we're getting hundreds of applicants now with higher percentages of quality applicants, which is amazing. And so a lot of times what happens when we're in a market like this is you get a lot of applications. And so you think the best move is to make the application process harder. Like it's going to make the the cream of the crop rise to the top. You should not do that. That is not going to solve your problem. Can you share with listeners... If you disagree, well, I know you agree with me. So can you share with them why you agree with me and and why they should not do that? Because really talented people still have a lot of opportunity. And a really awesome, talented person who's perfect for your role could be self-selecting out because of the amount of opportunities they have in front of them. You need to get the right person and the talented person to apply and adding all these steps to that candidate. It's like, Uh, do they have their shit together? I don't, I don't know. Like, this is too much. What are they trying to do? I don't think they want me. I think it has the reverse effect, to be honest. And great candidates are applying for jobs in a rush. You know, like a lot of times they, they don't have unlimited amounts of time to fill an application. So they are watching their kid play soccer and they're applying for jobs from their phone. And you want them to be able to apply from their phone because if you're, if all of a sudden it requires them to do a, this crazy assessment or answer all these questions and they have to do it when they get home, they're not going to go back and do it when they get home. And that doesn't mean that they're not qualified or not interested in their, your job. It just means that they're busy. And so what advice do you have on when to put some of those, I don't know, what would you call um, the like actions for like weeding people out? Like when would you put those in the process and what would you call them even? You know, it's funny in my head, I've always called them roadblocks, which is probably transparent about how I feel about them. They're roadblocks and detours, even if you will. At what stage in the process do you think some of those should be added? So it does depend on the role, but I think after the initial phone call where you've learned a little bit more about them, they've learned a little bit more about you, then is the time to give them the homework or whatever you want to call it, then is the time to see if they really can show their stuff. I would say the one exception to all of this is if you're hiring for like customer support or technical support, 
I think it's okay to put a couple of questions where they have to write an answer out in that initial application because you need to know that they can write incomplete sentences. But for anything else, I mean, absolutely, after that first call, you have to make sure that there is interest for both of you so that the time and effort is worth putting in, the time and effort for them to do it and the time and effort for you to review it. So that means you're probably talking to a lot of people right now to weed them out. And that's part of hiring. I wish I could tell you there's a different way, but there's not. Although I do want to share something I did for a role that I recently filled with one of my clients that I really loved. And it worked really well because we were getting a ton of applicants and I'm like, homegirl does not have time to sit on the phone with all of these people. And it was for a social media role. So what I did was I filmed a loom of myself and well, I went through all of the applications and I was able to find like of the applications, like 25 people that seemed really good for me to talk to. And I was traveling that week and I was like, I don't have time to talk to 25 people this week. What can I do instead? And so I filmed a loom and I literally said, and it was a video of me, like a video. And I said, hi, I'm Jackie Coke. I lead HR for XYZ company. Thank you so much for applying for our job. We would love to invite you into next steps. Your background seems like a really great fit. Next steps are going to be for you to film a video similar to this, answering these three questions. And I gave them three questions to answer and asked them to send me a video back. And it was amazing. I would say maybe 70% of the 25 had a response. And I think it's because I made it personable. I wanted to film an individual video for each person and say their name and be like, hi, Sam, my name is Jackie. Your resume caught my eye because of blah, blah, blah. And I just didn't have time. So I did it the other way. And it was a great way for me to weed people out. And I think I ended up talking Gosh, I don't, I, I don't remember how I broke it down, but it probably went from like 400 applicants to 17 to 25 shortlisted to me maybe doing calls with eight or nine to finalists to hiring somebody from that actually who did the loom. And so I felt like that was a really good way to do it. It still was a lot of time for me as a recruiter. And as you listening, a hiring manager, it probably will take you a lot of time, but that's how you find great people. Yeah. It's also why it's really good to have a recruiter who can help you out with all of this stuff. Exactly. Exactly. It's a ton of time. When you're working full-time in recruiting, if you had to like percentage it, how much time do you spend reaching out to people? And like, how would you guess? Obviously I know this is a guess, but like percentages of time of your week and you work what 50 hours a week. So percentage of like reaching out to people, reviewing application and, and interviews you spend 50 hours a week doing those three things, which is insane to somebody listening to this. But I'm just curious if you had a guess how you like break down your time. I would say at least one full day. Now, it doesn't mean that it's a whole day I'm doing it, but a whole day's worth of time is spent sourcing and emailing and following up. Candidates who haven't expressed interest yet that you want them to. Yeah, even with automated tools, Sometimes someone asks a question before they want to talk to you. You've got to go back and forth with them about those things. Or if you're using LinkedIn, there's not a lot of way to automate those messages. So you kind of have to send these manual follow-ups. So definitely a full day's worth of time just on the sourcing, messaging, following up, passive funnel. Interviewing, I mean, at least three full days of the week are spit interviewing, talking to people, scheduling, feedback forms, the coordinating, the prepping for interviews. So one full day of all sourcing, 
and emailing one full day of the admin work, three full days of interviewing, sometimes more than that. It's a lot. And so I think the message to you listening is like to hire great people, it takes a lot of time and effort. And there's a lot of things that you don't realize that go into it. Thankfully, there are recruiters out there that you can hire to do this for you so that you don't have to and you pay some money. But honestly, you're probably going to spend the same amount in the time and energy that you would have to do to fill it, right? That's exactly it. And I think people don't fully understand because how would you understand that if you've never done it before? How would you understand how much time and effort hiring takes, especially if you want to hire well and hire the right person? It's a full time job. And be seen in the market as an employer of choice. How you recruit and hire plays into that too. Exactly. And you absolutely have to be an employer of choice or you will not make hires these days. Absolutely. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that there's hundreds of candidates applying. You still have to get them to the finish line and they still have to say yes. And then they still have to show up on the first day. There's a lot in between there. I agree. If I think back to the last two years It's been a whirlwind for us as recruiters, but recruiters can help you in any job market and they can be valuable and support your hiring process in any job market, a candidate-driven job market, as well as an employer-driven job market. We are here to save you time, provide expertise, and create a great candidate experience, I think would be the three things that we're really here to do. And... I'm going to give us a shameless plug that we do all of this for you. And if you go to peopleprinciples.co, you'll be able to see how you can work with us and how we can be the ones shepherding your candidate experience and your recruiting process to help you make a great hire. Um, And I'm so excited that you're here on the team and, and we get to do this thing together. There's no other person I'd rather do it with. So super excited you're here. I feel exactly the same way. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm so grateful that I get to be here. Even if you did lay me off. (laughs) I know. I think that's so funny. I totally forgot. I didn't forget. There's no way I would forget because that was not a fun day. But (laughs) it is funny how you can just get over it, you know? And I mean, I guess it is a thing to get over, but it's business. It's business, y'all. You can hate the situation. You don't have to hate the person who has to do it. A hundred thousand percent. I have a pretty healthy attitude about it. I mean, you do, which is probably why we can continue to be friends and work together. Yes. Well, listeners, Molly will be on the show a heck of a lot more and you get to hear from her. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for being on the show, Molly. And listeners, until next time, upgrade your boss game and become good at hiring and let us either help you or teach you how to do it. So thanks for tuning in and we will chat again soon. to outsource your hiring completely and finally make that key hire our hiring team at people principles is your not so secret weapon let us do the heavy lifting to build your team check out our incredible team and our transparent pricing strategy at peopleprinciples.co forward slash hiring team